Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into a new edition of the Batter Up Podcast, sponsored by the Dugout of Millwood here on the Sports Insanity Network. I am Mike Griffkin. So, what we're going to do today, LDS recaps, and we'll preview the League Championship Series as we take one step closer to finding out who will be the 2023 World Series champions. And I got to tell you, if you did one of those bracket things on MLB.com, I'm not sure a lot of people had this Final Four go down. Uh, in the American League, we're going to have the Battle of Texas between the Rangers and the Astros. And in the National League, you're going to get the Phillies and the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, which I'm sure not a lot of people saw coming. But that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in the National League. And then we'll go into the American League series. Um, but we'll, we'll start with the LDS recap before we get into the LCS previews. And we'll start with the game that uh, the series that ended last night, which was the Phillies beating the Braves in four games. They won game four by a score of three to one. The Phillies outscored the Braves 20 to eight in that year, in that series. So the Phillies offense was up to the task. The Braves offense really wasn't. If you look at the numbers that the Braves offense posted, as a team, the Braves hit 186 in this series. 186. For a team that was so good offensively during the regular season, the Phillies pitching was able to stifle. And let's be real honest here. Think about how the series started for, for the Phillies. They couldn't pitch Nola and Wheeler in games one and two because they had pitched them in the wild card games against the Marlins. So they had to start Ranger Suarez in game one. They get a shutout. Game two, the only game the Braves won, which was game two, honestly, they should have lost because if Rob Thompson sticks it out with Zach Wheeler a little bit longer, who knows if the Braves come back or not. So the Braves win game two. Game three, the Phillies' offense just exploded. Uh, and, and game four, uh, you, you know, again, Aaron Nola was good in game three. And then Ranger Suarez in the bullpen did its job in game four. And the Braves had their chances. No one's going to sit here and, and deny it, you know. But this is the second straight year that the Braves lose in the LDS to the Phillies. So let, let's – I'm going to go through the Braves first, and then we'll get into the Phillies who, who won the series. My question for the Braves is, this is the second straight year you're losing the LDS to, to the same team, which I think was the first time in MLB history, a team that's won 100 games back-to-back years, was eliminated in the LDS by the same opponent. What needs to change? Because this core, this core is locked up. Olsen's locked up. Albies is locked up. Riley's locked up. Harris is locked up. Acuna's locked up. Sean Murphy's locked up, who they acquired in the winter from Oakland, last winter from Oakland. So what changes have, have are there changes coming on the horizon? Brian Snicker's not losing his job. Like, like, that's not something I'm going to throw out there. 
rotation-wise, what are they going to look like? Strider's going to be there. Max Fried's going to be there, uh, barring health, but he'll be there. He's under contract for another year. But no Kyle Wright. What happens with Charlie Morton? Bryce Elder kind of fell off during the second half of the year and wasn't really good in his game three start. So, so were they, are, are they going to go out for a big starting pitcher? Are they going to sign a middle-of-the-rotation guy? You know, I don't know what their plan is. And, and listen, if Charlie Morton's healthy, he probably gets the ball in game three, which probably moves that, – that takes Elder out of the equation. Um, But – I, I don't think that's a real excuse because the Braves didn't hit in this series. Outside of game three, the starting pitching was fine. Strider was fine in game one. He was fine again in game four. Game two, Max Free was coming off of a blister issue. You know, he gave you something. But I, I just, the thing is every year we talk about something. When a team loses that we don't think, you know, wins 100 games, we think they're this absolute juggernaut. And I sit here today going, I don't know what the Braves' plan is this winter. Is it to be attack the rotation, get at least get another decent starter to go behind Strider and Freed? Maybe you want to get another guy, maybe to separate Strider and Free, create a, a, a big top three. Maybe they go after an Aaron Nola, which would make sense. Nola went to LSU. He's a New Orleans, New Orleans native, but, you know, Atlanta, New Orleans, I mean, it's the deep south. Maybe that's something they think about. I don't know. But Alex Anthopoulos has done a really good job. So whatever he does will probably work because it's worked for the most part. And this is, again, this is a team that won 100 games, won the NL East again. They're really good. The question, the, the ultimate question I have is who's playing shortstop? Is Arcia going to have another year like he did this year? We'll get to him again in a minute. Is Vaughn Grissom going to step up? Um, you know, when they thought he would take over for Dansby Swanson, is there someone else they look at? I don't know. So those would be some questions I'm looking at. So I, I do want to get into this whole Orlando Arcia thing too. So I, 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 I've got to get the reporter's name right on this. So uh, before I before I get started, I, I, the, the name has. Okay, it's Jake Mintz, who is a credentialed uh, baseball. Uh, he's credentialed by the BBWA. So he was in the Braves locker room after game two. And if you go back and watch the ending to game two, Michael Harris makes this unreal catch. And they double up Bryce Harper, who thought the ball was going to hit the wall. He'd rounded second. 
And on the way back to first, he had slipped a little bit. They Braves doubled him off, ends the game. First time in playoff history. And somebody caught Orlando Arcia saying, attaboy, Harper. And, you know, Jake Mintz apparently was in the clubhouse and he had heard that or the cameras were rolling and it came out. If the clubhouse doors are open, it kind of feels... it. If the reporters are in there, anything you say is on the record, unless you pull them aside and say, that's off the record. Jigmans has gotten a lot of criticism over the past couple of days, but a couple of things here. Orlando Arcia didn't say anything stupid, you know. You know, he didn't say Bryce Harper's an idiot, you know, anything like that. He was happy his team won. He's happy Harper made a a, 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 a little mistake, which they capitalized on. That's fine. I don't really care that he said it, to be honest with you, because he didn't say anything bad. Does it give the Philly some bulletin board material? Sure, but if Bryce Harper needs that as bulletin board material, then we need to have a Bryce Harper conversation. Now, the stupidity of it is you poke the wrong bear in the form of Bryce Harper. But to sit here today and say, attaboy Harper, and that got out, and the Phillies got it, and you know, last night during the celebration, they're wearing attaboy Harper t-shirts. I think the whole thing's blown out of proportion, and quite frankly, I think it's stupid. Uh, if the Phillies needed that as motivation, then we need another different kind of conversation, because at the end of the day, the Phillies came to play in this series. Harper came to play. Nick Castellanos, how about Nick Castellanos? Games three and four. First player, Major League Baseball history, back-to-back multi-home run games. How about that? Real Muto came to play. Bryson Stott, Alec Boom, the Philly bullpen came to play. How big was the Philly bullpen in game four? You're using Alvarado and Kimbrell in the sixth and the seventh. I mean, Kimbrell, the the play the kid Rojas makes on Acuna in in game four, the base is loaded, two outs. It's a game-saving play. Granted, you know, but it's a game-saver. It's a great play. The Phillies made plays, and they got clutch hits. The Atlanta Braves did not. Give Rob Thompson credit. Give the Philly players credit. Give the, the that crazy fan base in Philly credit. They were raring to go in game three. But if Rob Thompson doesn't pull Zach Wheeler in game two, we might be talking about a Philly sweep. That's how good the Phillies played against the Atlanta Braves. And like I said, the Braves didn't hit. And I'm not making any excuses for the Braves because there are no excuses to make. You credit the Phillies pitching staff. But don't sit here and tell me that the Orlando Arcia, Attaboy, Harper stuff 
Don't tell me that motivated the Phillies. Phillies should have been motivated from the get-go. They finished 14 games behind the, the, the Braves. That should be your motivation. Nobody, everyone's overlooking it. Everyone thinks the Braves are going to get past it. Use that as motivation. And for the people who are going off on Jake Mintz, relax. Relax. He's a credentialed reporter, and you just want five minutes to just air a beef because you don't like what he got. It's not like Orlando Arcia pulled him aside, put his arm around him, and say, that Harper guy's an idiot for what he did. It's ridiculous. So, uh, that's where I'm at on that. So, good for Philly. They move on to the NLCS. They'll play the Diamondbacks, who, let's be real honest, they bludgeoned the Dodgers. And the Dodgers got punched in the mouth in the first inning in the first game when Clayton Kershaw gave up six runs. And they never recovered. Never recovered in that series at all. We could sit here and say whatever we want, but the the Diamondbacks, I, I don't want to say they brutally dismantled the Dodgers when you win two games four to two. But you win 11 to two in game one and then four to two in games two and three. So you, this Dodger offense was given Scored six runs in three games. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, one for 21 or whatever it was. And by the way, credit on Mo- credit to Mookie for saying, listen, I didn't play well. Um, that, that That's a good job on Mookie. But he, he wasn't alone. He was not alone. Nobody showed up for the Los Angeles Dodgers. They didn't. And, and let me be real honest here. Clayton Kershaw, who I love, future Hall of Famer, gives you a third of an inning. That's game one. He gives you one third of an inning. In game two, Bobby Miller gave you Bobby Miller gives you an inning in two thirds. So he didn't even complete two innings. Game three, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn give you two and two thirds. So a third of an inning, an inning and two thirds, and then two and two thirds. The Dodgers starting pitching, along with the Dodgers offense, let them down. Outside of game one, because outside of game one, because the bullpen hit, the bullpen kept them in games two and three. And here's the thing, and here, here here's where I'm going to get at with the Dodgers. There's part of me, and listen, everyone's going to say this is supposed to be a step back year for the Dodgers anyway. The Padres were supposed to be better. 
the Giants and Dynamics were wild cards. Who knows? And then there's the Rockies. That's how the NOS was going to play out. You're the Dodgers. You won the division again. You won 100 games again. But once again, you kind of no-show the playoffs. And I know there are years they've lost in the League Championship Series, and there have been years they've lost the World Series. But at some point, they the Dodgers need to have it. So a, for me, as an outsider on the Dodgers, it's they have to be World Series or bust every year because of how the roster is constructed, how the payroll is, and given who they are. They are World Series or bust. And let's be real honest here. Without 2020, they've busted every year. I love Mookie Betts. I love Freddie Freeman. Great players. Who else in that lineup really scares Muncie? Muncie had a Kyle Schwarber-esque year. A lot of home runs, not a high average. Will Smith, I, I love Will Smith. J.D. Martinez had a good year. But these guys I mentioned, Martinez, Muncie, Freeman, they're getting into their mid to late 30s. Mookie Betts, I think, is probably near 30. Double-check that for you in a minute. But that's the problem I have with this team. Like, these guys are great players. But they're also getting into an age issue a little bit. Um, Freddie Freeman's 34. Muncie's 33. Okay, Mookie's 31. So, Freddie Freeman's 34. He'll be 35 in... Okay, Freddie Freeman will, won't be 35 till next September. Muncie will be 34 in next August. JD Martinez is already 36. And he'll be, thir- you know, 36 for most of next year. But, th- but then look at the rotation. You know, what? And the rotation's the easiest place to look for a second. Dustin May goes down, needs surgery. Tony Gonsolin needs surgery. Walker Bueller never comes back from Tommy John. They talked about it, but they decided it's best to shut him down and look forward to next year. And no one can script what happened with Julio Arias. So at the end of the day, you're relying on Clayton Kershaw. Bobby Miller, and Lance Lynn, and really nothing else, nobody else. So the excuse right there is written in for the Dodgers. You know, know, we just didn't have the the, the guys. You know, we didn't have our, our full pitching staff. We didn't, you know, may not have wanted to go this way, you know, however they want to phrase it. I need a Dave Roberts discourse. I do. Listen, the guy gets it done in the regular season, but he doesn't. He hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs. He just hasn't. And outside of twenty twenty, again, 
they haven't won a World Series. Sure, they got there in 17. Why are people going to say, well, the Astros cheated, they would have won. The Astros cheated at Minute Maid, first and foremost. And they beat the Dodgers three times at Dodger Stadium during that series. So there's that. 18. They play the Red Sox. Red Sox beat them good. 19, they don't get 19. No, 19, they don't get there to lose to Washington. I think that was the LDS. 2020, they won the World Series against the Rays. By the way, if Blake Blake Snell's not pulled by Kevin Cash, who knows? Uh, 21, they lose to the Braves. And then last year, they lose in the LDS to the the Padres. So they haven't gotten back to the World Series since 2020. And at some point, and listen, I know this was supposed to be step back year, whatever. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I think it's time we have the Dave Roberts conversation. Because the argument's saying, if they don't win the, all right, I, I'm just throwing out hypothetical. They sign Otani in the winter. Otani stays in LA, but he goes to the Dodgers. And they don't win next year. What's the excuse? How much longer can the Dodgers have the Dave Roberts excuse? I get it. The guy's a great regular season manager. But he can't he hasn't gotten it done in October. You know why Joe Torrey's in the Hall of Fame? Not for winning a hundred games in the regular season. Joe Torrey's in the Hall of Fame because he won four World Series with the New York Yankees. You know what made Bobby Cox a great manager? Winning 14 straight division titles with the Atlanta Braves. What'd they have to show for? One World Series. That's why Bobby Cox doesn't get put into these, some of these greatest of all time conversations. For me, if I'm a team or if I'm the Dodgers, Unless there, obviously, unless there's someone out there you truly love, you're probably not fired, Dave Roberts. But I think we need to start having a conversation about turning up the burner on that seat a little bit. That's all I'm going to say. Because if he was anywhere else and he didn't win, I don't know. I just do not know where you go. I'd at least have the conversation. Who goes in there? I can't answer that. If you're a Dodger fan, let me know. Would you want Joe Madden? Would you want a a Buck Showalter? Would you want a Joe Girardi? I mean, those are the the names that popped into my head. I I don't think you'd want a Craig Council, you know. But, yeah, who, who knows? So the Dodgers season, Brave season, both end. Um, I, I, let's talk a little bit about the D-backs, though, before we get into the preview of the D-backs and the Phillies. Give them credit, man. Give them credit. They are a scrappy bunch. 
Nobody predicted this. Nobody had this in their pools or whatever it is. For them to sweep the Dodgers, it's a great feat. It's a great job. Tori Lovello's done an excellent job. Uh, Brent Strom has done a great job as the pitching coach with the team. They have two studs at the top with Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. Bullpen is solid. They've locked down the back end of those games uh, when they got Seawald from Seattle. And offensively, they, they are so different from every other team left because they're not relying on the home run, despite which is on game three when they hit four in a row. They have speed. They run. They're gap to gap. Corbin Carroll's probably your NL rookie of the year. Christian Walker, I think, is the National League version of Kyle Tucker of the Astros because they're both criminally underappreciated in what they do. Uh, so I give them a, I, I got to give the Diamondbacks a ton of credit. They play great defense. They put the ball in play. They're good. They're very good. All right, NLCS preview. Uh, the two teams played seven games this year. The Phillies won four out of seven. Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos each had four RBIs. Kyle Schwarber hit two homers for the Phillies. And JT Real Muto had a great year against Arizona. He had 400 uh, with two homers and six RBIs. For Arizona, Corbin Carroll, 292, a home run, three RBIs. Christian Walker. Hit 222 with a home run and four RBIs, and Lourdes Scurriel, 238, a home run, two RBIs. So here's how this series, I think, is going to be dictated because it's very interesting because both teams on how game one and game two go because it's going to be Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola against Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. So we're going aces up. You know, these are four studs who are going to go for it. Now, here's the thing. If the Diamondbacks can punch early in Philly, kind of take that crowd out of kind of like they were able to do in L.A. in game one, took them right out of I'm not saying they're scoring six off Wheeler in the first inning, but if you can get a three spot, then we could say, okay, we got something here. We may have something here. And you come away with a split. If Arizona comes away with a split in Philly, the first two games, that's a win for Arizona. I, I mean, I, I listen, if they win both games, that'd be amazing. But I don't think that happens. I, I think they get a split. These are two of the hottest teams in baseball. Arizona kind of reminds me of Philly last year, to be honest with you. Um they got hot in September. They ran right through a team in the wild card round. They ran right through a team in the LDS. And now they're kind of an underdog team in the LCS. That they, they kind of remind me of Philly in that way of last year. Now Philly reminds you of Philly last year too, because they're basically the same team that excuse me, that did it last year. 
This is a tough one to pick. Based on home field and experience, I think the Phillies win. Uh, I think the Phillies win this series in six. It may go seven. I don't know. Um, if Arizona can find a way to steal one game from Philly, that'd be massive. Um, but I, I think right now the way the Phillies are, are co- collecting, connecting offensively, the way the pitching staff is going, I, I kind of like the Phillies. Um, also, the, the experience to me matters. I, I've always felt that way when you get to October baseball. Uh, experience does matter. So and the Phillies have it. I think they also have the ultimate X factor in, in, on their team. And, and that's Trey Turner. And Trey Turner had really big moments in the LDS. Defensively, he made some big plays. Uh, the one on Ozzie Albies, I think that's game one. He made that tremendous double play. Offensively, he, he's gotten going. And then what he does on the base paths is so important, too. And if Gabe, Gabriel Moreno can't play for Arizona because he had that hand issue, that's a big loss because he was playing really well, too, behind the plate. And offensively, he gave them a little bit more punch. So, But if Arizona – listen, if Arizona can play small ball, they've they've got a legitimate shot here. Nobody's taking anything away from Arizona. So I like Philly over Arizona in six. So, yeah, I like Philly in six. It may go seven. I I don't know. But, again, Arizona, yeah, I, I like where they're at. ALDS, and then we'll get into the CS. Yeah, the Rangers sweep the Orioles, and, and the let me be honest, the Rangers' bats just came alive. They crushed the Orioles starting pitching. Everyone in that lineup is going. Garcia's going. Uh, Seager, Samian, Young, Hine. I may put on a Ranger uniform and get it, got ahead. I don't remember. The Texas Rangers offense is just so good. And their pitching was great in this series, uh, especially Evaldi in game, game three. He was phenomenal. But he's always been a big playoff game pitcher. He was huge for the Red Sox at 18. So that was such a – and it's such a win for them because, remember, they didn't have John Gray and they didn't have Max Scherzer. And it looks like they may get be able to get them back in the, in, in the championship series. I don't know. And also they didn't have DeGrom, but they won't get DeGrom back. So – that that's a whole another conversation. But listen, offensively they're awesome. Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy has become his ticket to the Hall of Fame was punched uh, when he was Giants manager. But it, he kind of is like 
wherever he goes, he wins. And that's, that's so important. He's done such a, a great job. Uh, I think he, it's interesting because AL manager of the year could go to him. It could go to Brandon Hyde. It could go to Kevin Cash. It could go to a couple people, but uh, the way this team played in, in this series against the Orioles, they took advantage of a young Orioles team. Uh, and they just, they, they hit the ball so, so hard. They were so good. Uh, give them credit. The Orioles, listen, two things on the Orioles. One, it's a good learning experience for them. Um, They've never been, most of them had never been on that stage. And the complete turnaround they had was awesome. Now to the downside on the Orioles. Their own organization kind of messed with them. And and here's why I say that. Because trade deadline, let's go back to the trade deadline. Because this is where I think there's a difference maker. They didn't do anything. Their answer to whatever their issues was Jack Flaherty. And Jack Flaherty didn't even start a game. He came out of the bullpen in game two, I believe. But he didn't get a start in this series. And I, I heard John Smoltz say this during game two. He, or, you know, he thinks it was game two or game three. Grayson Rodriguez, he thinks he's going to be an ace. You know, Bradish has pretty good stuff, but. They don't have a guy at the top of that rotation that I could say right now that I could say, I'd fear that guy. Now, this is where this winter comes into play because I think this team, of what they did in the second half last season and what they were able to accomplish this year, it's time to invest in this team. And you can invest in two different ways. You can invest through spending money in free agency, which they have not really done. The GM, Michael Ice, who's been there, I think, four or five years, he hasn't given out a multi-year deal yet. Every contract he has signed has been one year. Or you can make a trade. And I hear people in Baltimore now are probably screaming as they hear this. But you have this young nucleus. Gunnar Henderson, Holiday's going to come up at some point, Mullins, Mountcastle, they have these guys. These guys are Rutschman. Now, by the way, one, if you take the brave approach, sign these guys to long-term deals now on a lower AAV, buy out the arbitration years, you won't have to worry about overpaying people, despite what the owner says. Then you could take some of these other prospects who are going to be blocked off because you have other young players and you can trade them for something in return. Starting pitcher, a top of the rotation guy. Who do you want? You want a Corbin Burns? One year left on his contract, so maybe not. that's not the guy. Call Seattle. See what it would take to get a Logan Gilbert or a George Kirby. You know, hey, 
dip your, your toe into the Yoshinobu Yamamoto water. See if he'd go to Baltimore. He's 25. He'd fit right in. You find a guy who could be a top of the rotation guy so these other young pitchers can continually develop and you're not going to force them into things. I think that's Baltimore's top priority. Get a number one. Sign Aaron Nola for Pete's sake. I don't care. The, the only name I wouldn't sign if I'm the Orioles is Blake Snell. I would not go for Blake Snell. Listen, if Marcus Stroman opts out of his deal with the Cubs, go get Marcus Stroman. I'm not saying that's a one, but that's a guy who could lead by example for your team. That's what, that's what frustrated me about the Orioles, because they have this great young nucleus. And by not doing anything at the deadline, they just said, eh, we don't know. We don't know if we're going to be here again. We're not going to do this. They should have been the team to get a Lance Lynn. They should have been the team to, to go get a, a, a someone. I'm not even saying a Verlander or a Scherzer. I'm not even going to go that far. I know they were in talks about Verlander, but let's be real honest. I don't think that that ship was happening. But just find a guy. You know, it, it's we're making this harder than it is, but the Orioles had a great year. And no one's going to take that away from them. This winter, they got to go get themselves a stud. Stud in the rotation. Even if you want to put them as a number two, I don't care. Just get a guy. So the Rangers move on. They're going to play the Astros, who they beat the Twins in four games. Uh, the Twins came to play. The Twins were very competitive in the series. Uh, I fell behind early in game one. But as soon as Justin Verlander came out, they fought. Fought back, uh, lose a tight one. They win game two. Pablo Lopez was great. Uh, they lose game three. Sonny Gray was not great. Jordan Alvarez and Jose Abreu had days. And then uh, game four, they lose a tight. What can you say about the Astros? This is going to be their seventh consecutive trip to the ALCS. I know people hate them. I know people hate them because of what happened in 2017 and because they're really good. I don't hate them. I can't hate them. To me, after he retires, in, you know, five years after, whatever it is, Jose Altuve belongs in the Hall of Fame. Justin Verlander belongs in the Hall of Fame. Dusty Baker belongs in the Hall of Fame. And there's not a guy right now in the league I think I want up at a big spot more than Jordan Alvarez. And A.J. Pierzynski kept saying this on the broadcasts during the series. Why pitch to him? He obliterates the baseball. He has been phenomenal. He's a big-time postseason player. Bregman's a big-time postseason player. Altuve's a big-time postseason player. Oh, yeah. Jose Abreu might be getting hot after what he did in Game 3. 
If he's hot and that lineup's on, look out. Look out. They're good. They are very, very good. And listen, Verlander was great in game one. Verlander Valdez was not great in game two, but he kept his team in it, which is a sign of a good pitcher. And Christian Javier was really good in game three, minus the base on balls. I like this team. I told you. I told you how much I love the Houston Astros. They're back. Uh, Houston against Texas this year. They were 9-5. and five. Okay, Here's some player numbers, but I'm going to start with this number here from Al- Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve, career in the ALCS, 291 hitter with nine homers and 18 RBIs. CALCS. Against Texas this year, he had 286 with seven homers and eight RBIs in eight games. Kyle Tucker hit 400 with three homers and seven RBIs against Texas. And Jordan Alvarez, 308, three homers, eight RBIs against Texas. Corey Seager, 346, two homers, five RBIs against Houston. How about the year Marcus Simeon had against him? 431, four homers, 12 RBIs. And Josh Young, 279, two homers, five ribbies. This is going to be fun. If you are a baseball fan, this is fun. These are two teams. They don't like each other. They both went out at the trade deadline, made massive deals for Erlander Scherzer. Two Hall of Fame managers. I want this to go the distance. I really want this to go the distance. But the problem with this, if this goes the distance, you may not have anything left for the World Series. Um, This is going to be so much fun. This has so much excitement written on it. I'm going to take the Astros. I'm going to take the Astros in seven. Um, I, I just think right now, Justin Verlander found it in game one. Javier was good in game three. Offensively, both teams are really good. I like the Houston Astros. I, I think now uh, we get a rematch of last year's World Series with the Astros and, and the Rangers. Um, one thing I did not do uh, as we were preview, previewing those series, uh, I didn't get to talk about the Twins. So I'm going to talk about the Twins for a second before I you know, shut this one down. The Twins had a good year. Um they're going to need to revamp that pitching staff. Sonny Gray is a free agent. He actually might be a good fit in Baltimore for Pete's sake. But uh, Pablo Lopez had a really nice year. They need to find a way to keep Buck, Byron Buxton healthy. If they can keep Buxton and Correa and Royce Lewis healthy, that lineup is good enough to win. Now it's about getting the pitch settled in. 
that's what they're going to have to work on. They're going to have to figure out what the rotation looks like after Pablo Lopez. Again, they could be a team. I would look at Aaron Nola. I would look at – I don't know if they want to spend on a Yamamoto. Um, I, I would look at Marcus Stroman. I would look at anybody who's out there. Again, maybe they can find a way to make a trade. Um Kind of similar to the, how they got Lopez for Luis Arise. Figure something out. But Rocco Baldelli had a nice year as the manager of the Twins. Um, and here's the thing about the AL Central. It's winnable. I don't know what the White Sox are. I think the Guardians are going to take a little bit of a step back with Terry Francona stepping down. The Royals, I don't think, are close. And the Tigers have a questions to ask because – their young players played well at the end of the season, but I don't know if they're they're ready to jump into contention right away. So the AL Central is obtainable for the Twins again. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But we get the Battle of Texas in the ALCS. We have the D-backs and the Phillies in the NLCS. It should be a lot of fun. The next episode of Batter Up will totally be a World Series preview. Uh, and we'll recap the League Championship Series. You follow us on social media. The network is on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at S Insanity Real. Go to the website www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com for great blogs, vlogs, planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, go to the YouTube page. Some vlogs, episodes of Batter Up are on there. You get to see my pretty face. So. You can't lose there either. So until next time, thank you for listening. I am Mike Rifkin. Thank you for listening to this edition of Battered Up. Batter Up, sponsored by the Dugout of Millwood here on the Sports Insanity Network. Enjoy the League Championship Series, everybody.